Good morning. Good morning, everybody. God bless you. This is your friend, John Arcovio. I uh, coming to you live again from the wonderful city of Irvine, California, here in Orange County. Trust your day is going well. I am jumping on a few minutes early. Just want to give each one of you an opportunity to not only jump on the chat and say, hey, type in your name, where you're from. Also to give you an opportunity to share this with your social media stream. That uh, way other people can be blessed by our rants. <laughs> well, today is Election Tuesday. I know here in California, it's been fast and, and furious. Uh, I'll be so glad to get past today being Election Tuesday so I can watch something online without having to deal with all the crazy ads. Uh, good morning, Latricia Graff. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Pray your day is going well. Hey, here's a friend uh, blast from the past lorraine weiss been a lot of years since i've seen uh pastor lorraine i think the last time i actually saw you pastor lorraine is when i came to um calgary and preached for the work that you had there that was my goodness 20 years ago i think long time ago but anyway so good to see you thank you for joining us again um, if you want to share this on your social media, thank you. But um, today I'm going to be just talking about the importance of our relationship with God. And also in the light of what I would call wilderness times. Wilderness times. Uh, what are wilderness times? Wilderness times are just dry times. Times that it seems like you uh, can't sense the presence of of God near as you uh, perhaps had before, or perhaps just a time that you're under so much pressure, so much resistance, so much spiritual warfare, or just situations in the natural that you can't seem to turn down the noise of everything going on around you to hear the voice of God and to be able to respond to him. And, um, you know, uh, there are some people that try to relegate everything to being, uh, left brain, right brain type of, of um, operations, being the left brains, that analytical, um, cold, calculated um, uh, mindset, right brains, more intuitive. But I don't think we can relegate our relationship with, with our precious Savior to just a psychological process. I, I, they would, even the highly educated would try to dismiss uh, intimacy with God as being emotionalism or whatever. I do believe that, that uh, yes, we should be students of the word of God and we should have a factual, biblical understanding of God, but there's also a relational side of enjoying his presence and drawing near to him and things like that. So I'm going to kind of talk today strictly from uh, the word of God. I, I don't try to stray away from uh, God's written word to try to answer these types of subjects. 
because I think that um, we get in trouble when we do that because then you just go down a rabbit trails of just theory and, and hypotheticals and you'll, you'll get absolutely ensnared with that. So I know specifically in the Bible, uh, Paul, uh, excuse me, not Paul, David, <laughs> big difference between Paul and David, of course. David wrote in Psalms 63 and verse 1, Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly will I seek you. My inner self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and is faint for you in a dry and weary land where no water is. Of course, this is a, there's parallelism here. There's um, similes here. There's all types of metaphors here that, that he's using to describe um, his relationship with God. Of course, his first statement is that he recognizes you are my God, that connection, that intimate personal relationship. Then he uses the word earnestly. That word earnest means a intentionality. Earnest, I will earnestly, I will seek you. Then he goes to more of a response that could be considered emotion. He says, my inner self thirsts for you. How does your inner self thirst for God? That's expressed through emotion, desire, hungering for God, thirsting for him, desiring him, going after him. I can remember way back when I was just a young man, I was always very passionate about God. And I expressed it then uh, by when I would go to church services or I'd go to youth camps, I would always sit on the front row because I wanted to be focused and just worship God and be intentional. I was doing that at the age of nine years old. I've always been very passionate towards my relationship with God, where I've expressed my inner self's thirst with worship, with, you know, doing whatever I do with all my might, serving him. Then, of course, he goes and leaves the inner self realm, which could be considered either your human spirit or even your soul. And he talks about my flesh, my, 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 you can discipline your flesh, your body to long for God. Now, it's not natural. Our, our human flesh does not naturally seek after God or hunger after God. That's not a, a natural uh, human response. Uh, good morning, uh, Brother Max from uh, Italy. So glad you're here. Uh, oh, God bless you, Bishop Patrick from Redemption House in Kenya. Thank you so much for coming on. We love you so much. Amen. We got some international in the house. Uh, Max is a a minister from uh, Italy, and um, Bishop uh, Patrick is uh, the bishop over Redemption House Missions in Moise Bridge, Kenya. So glad you guys are on. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. So we, we, we can discipline ourselves to, to um, go after God. Now, there are times I go after God that it's like he's just right there waiting. I mean, I could just go after him and just his presence just suddenly breaks upon me. And then there are times I go after God, I don't sense anything. And, and of course, everything is about timing of the spirit. You know, uh, Jesus condemned the Pharisees because they were not able to discern spiritual timing. Well, they could discern natural timing. That's in Luke um, 
12 verses 45 through, uh, 54 to 56, it says, uh, he said to the crowds of people, when you see a cloud rising in the West at once, you say it's going to rain and it does. And when you see that a South one is blowing, you say there'll be severe heat and it occurs. Then he said, you play actors, you hypocrites, you know how to intelligently discern and interpret and prove the looks of the earth and sky. How is it you do not know how to discern and interpret and apply the proof to this present time? And I believe that understanding the spirit timing is very, very important. In the book of First Chronicles 12 and 32, there was those called the sons of Issachar. Uh, they were men that the Bible said they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And, and I believe it's important to understand spiritual timing. And there are times that the Spirit moves in certain ways, and there are times He doesn't. And that's all works into the wilderness time. If you're in a wilderness time, if you're in a time, you know, there's the spiritual seasons do follow the natural seasons very closely. Not in, in exact concordance as far as, you know, if it's springtime outside, you're in springtime in the Spirit. I'm talking about there is just like there's a spring, summer, fall, and winter. Now, in some parts of the world, they're more severe. I know when I pastored in St. Joe, Missouri, we experienced all four seasons very, very dramatically. There was a harsh winter with zero degree weather and, and ice storms and snow. And, and then, we, of course, it was very, very significant when it shifted from that weather to spring because then everything bloomed and blossomed and turned green. And then, of course, there was the dry summertime, the heat we get up to into the hundreds during the month of months of July and August. And then, of course, there's that again marked shift from the heat to the coolness of the fall. And that was always a very exciting time for me. I was a bow hunter. I used to love to go and sit in the the stand in the trees and just watch the the this landscape as it slowly begin to shift into fall. The leaves change colors, the foliage would drop, and then just this sense it in the nature. You can smell it in the air, just a shift from uh, summer to fall. And then of course, again, it was a very marked shift from fall to winter. Now, in the natural, uh, the spiritual also parallels. We can have times in our life that we have times of abundance and blessing and fruitfulness. Hello, Michael Harvey. God bless you. Haven't seen you in a while, brother. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you, brother Michael. I hope you're doing well. Uh, Michael, I believe last time I spoke with you, I think you were in St. Louis. I don't remember. If I have that wrong, please forgive me. But good to see you, brother Michael. Welcome. But uh, our, we have spiritual um, times where things shift in our life. And it's, it's ludicrous to expect fruit in the time of winter or a time of a wilderness season in the spirit. You have to have sensitivity and timing uh, of what season are you in? Amen. And to react accordingly to that season God has you in. So why does God allow these wilderness times or these, these seasons like winter of, of barrenness of being stripped or, or, or whatever? I think one reason can be found in the book of Deuteronomy 8 and verse 2, where God was talking to Israel and he said, You shall earnestly remember all the way which the Lord your God led you in these 40 years in the wilderness. Why did he bring in the wilderness? First of all, to humble you and to prove you. 
God allows wilderness times to bring humility back into our life. We can have a tendency to become arrogant, especially when we start getting blessed and things start happening and we start being used of God and powerful things start happening. We start getting fruitful. We get financially blessed. Arrogance can slip in and God sometimes allows us to go into wilderness times to humble us, but also to prove us, to prove what's in our heart, to reveal it. And that's what the trial does. Now, if you take during the time of, of heat, during the time of wilderness, and you fall at the feet of Jesus, then it purifies you. But if you don't, the devil will use wilderness times to reveal you and to expose things in your life with the intention to humiliate you and to destroy you. That's why we got to stay at the feet of Jesus, to draw near to Jesus. No matter what season we're in, our place is at his feet. He goes on to say, he sent, sent them into the wilderness time to know what was in their heart and mind, whether he would they would keep his commandments or not. You know, sometimes God puts us in those situations to see if we're willing to still still pursue him, follow after him, go after him. Amen. And you know, I believe that's why God has been restoring the prophetic office, the office of the prophet, to the ecclesia in this hour. Uh, I believe one reason for restoring the prophetic office to the ecclesia is to prepare our hearts to receive the fivefold ministry giftings, to receive the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. That's what uh, he meant in Malachi when he prophesied in Malachi 3 and 1, that he would send his messenger to prepare the way before him, and the Lord whom he's, that you're seeking shall suddenly come into his temple. And so um, I believe that, that God is raising prophets to, uh, to prepare us. And, you know, he also said in Isaiah uh, chapter 1 and verse 25 that he would bring his hand again to our life to purge away the dross. You know, it's like the purging process was caustic. It was bitter. It was, it was it, it, to remove the dross uh, from um, gold in, in old days, they would use lye or very harsh chemical type things to take away any tin or any alloy that was in that gold. So the gold could come forth as pure and see God wants to come to his ecclesia to refine them. Yes, to judge, but also to bring revival. You know, we have a promise in the book of first Peter Four and 17 that says, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begin first with us, what shall be the end of those that don't obey the gospel of God? You see, before God can judge nations, he has to judge his holy nation. Before God can judge the nations of the world, he has to purify and judge his ecclesia. And I believe that's the season we're in. I believe over the next three months to six months, we're going to see more and more of God's hand moving amongst the, uh, the, the apostolic leadership to purify any type of mixtures. We can't have mixtures. We got too much mixture. You know, we transitioned from Texas to California this year. And I've been appalled just at the attitude of pastors and leaders here in the Southern California area. It's just almost like so many pastors are just bought into the easy church program-based mindset. 
of just getting up in the pulpit, not preaching any truth, not preaching anything that would cause anyone to feel convicted, but just, you know, love, 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 and, and you're awesome. And just, 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 I see it like just uh, Sunday speeches to, to try to encourage people that they're champions and they're great. And, and, and it's all about money. It's all about people coming and giving and, 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 and I'm sorry, that's not the season that the Ecclesia is moving into. We are moving into a time where God is separating. He is separating for the sheep from the goats. He is separating the, the, the uh, true harvest, the wheat from the tares. Amen. It's a time of separation. I remember a, a, a dream that a prophet had a few years ago that he spoke with me, felt that dream applied to me. He said he saw me in a dream, and I was standing before like this huge pile of, he said it was like, um, the pile represented people. And he said that angels were sorting what was useful for kingdom and what was not useful for kingdom. And that word was very accurate because the past five years has been about God purifying our hearts to committing only to the relationships and the tribe, so to speak, that is kingdom. And we got too many mixtures. And I believe that God in this hour is allowing all mixtures to become refined by his fire. Amen. And that, that's part of the reason why God allows for wilderness times to come is to purify his church. Amen. We got a Facebook user, I don't know who it is, uh, uh, saying, hello, Papa John. So God bless you. I can't see who you are. It just says Facebook user, but welcome. Uh, Adrian Salas from uh, from uh, Mexicali, Mexico. God bless you. Welcome, brother. So good to see you. Glad you're on. Yes, that's right, Lorraine. It's a time of separation. And the thing about it is, remember this, we're not the ones that do the separation. We're not qualified for that because we'll separate according to our preferences, our genres of what we like and don't like. And, and pretty soon, you'd, if, if God allowed us to do the separation for the body of Christ, we'd be separating people who were true sons and daughters out because maybe they like a different genre of music or maybe they dress differently than us or whatever. We're just humans. Go back to that scripture where Jesus is talking about separating the wheat from the tares. It's a spiritual work that the angelic force does. God's angels operate to bring the separation. But yes, there is a separation uh, that God is bringing. And, you know, this is all part of why God allows it. You know, another reason why God allows wilderness is to kind of clean out and purge our wells. Remember the story in Genesis 26, verses 15 through 18, where the wells that that uh, Abraham's father's servants had dug got stopped up by the Philistines. They filled them with dirt. And Abimelech had said to Isaac, you know, please leave our midst because, you know, the, he, he was very insecure by the anointing and the gifting on Isaac. And I've known that pain. I've known that pain of being asked by a lead pastor to please leave our assembly because there was such insecurity and intimidation over our authority that we carry in anointing. Don't let that turn you bitter. 
God's doing you a favor when he stirs someone's heart to become insecure, to ask you to, to leave an ecclesia or leave a group or step away from a spiritual family. Does it hurt? Oh, yeah, it hurts. Uh, we just had it happen to us recently. We came to Southern California to serve uh, one of our sons in the gospel that we've known for 30 years. That's what God told me is to come and serve him and to, um, to help him become everything God's called him to be. And it ended up, he completely rejected it. I mean, he even got up publicly and was telling people that, you know, John Arcobio is not my spiritual father. He even posted it on Facebook. Yeah, I only have one spiritual father, and that's my dad. And he got very insecure about it. And then every time I would say to him that God has called me to help you become everything God's called you to be, he says, I don't need your help to do that. I can do it all on my own. So what can you do when you get rejected like that? You can only leave. You can only step away. And Isaac had to. And Isaac left the presence of Elimelech. And the Bible says he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And then the Bible says, and Isaac digged again the wells of water. That's what happens when you go into wilderness times. You got to start digging wells, digging down into God. God will let you go through such severe, hurtful trials that you have no choice but to begin to dig wells again. And and because he, he was redigging wells that once were, were uh, springs of life, so go back over your life and visit areas where have you become lax? Where have you lost the fire? Lost the passion for God? It happens to me. There are times life just crowds in on us, starts robbing us of our time and our, 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 our intimacy with God and spending time in his word. And we get busy and go back and redig those wells, dig them out. Amen. And so he uh, not only redug the wells, but he called them the names that his father had called them. And that just shows a restoration of roots, of going back and restoring what had been lost. And I believe that's part of what God is doing in this hour. He's challenging us to, um, you know, restore what was lost. And I'm going to close with this. I believe God is bringing a deep move of a hunger for true holiness. I'm not talking about standards of man, rules and regulations to become part of some church. I'm talking about the true holiness that is a work of grace that only God can do. You know, Proverbs 24, 4 through 5 talks about take away the dross from the silver and there'll come forth a vessel for the finer. Then the next verse says, take away the wicked from before the king and his stone shall be established in righteousness. You know, when we're purified by wildernesses and tribulations, we become transparent. Transparency is so vital when it comes time for ministry. Willingness to become transparent. Because a transparent vessel doesn't bring any glory to itself, but it glorifies what it contains. You don't even see the vessel. You see what is contained. You see... When we're purified by the word and we allow the trials and the wilderness to purify us, then the world's going to see Jesus in us. I'm not going to see us, our ministry brand, how great we are, how powerful we are. So I, I believe that, you know, uh, 
this, this work of transparency is becoming so vital. I hate fake. I can't stand fake preachers, fake leaders, fake believers, people that just put on a, a, a show. I just They have all the voice inflections and praise the Lord. How are you doing today? Oh, let me have you. And just all this show that is not from the heart. We need transparency, guys. Just be real. Just be who God's made you. That's really what I've been trying to do in these past few years is not become a great apostle, not become a great prophet and establish myself to be powerful. In the past few years, I've been seeking to be the best son I can be to my heavenly father. Because that's the truth. I'm not apostle John, prophet John, pastor John, though nothing wrong with those titles. When the day comes to an end, I'm a son. And God's will is for me to be the best John Arcovio that I can be. The John Arcovio he created in his image. That's what transparency is. You know, Revelations 21 and 21, it talks about how the streets of the city of Jerusalem, the New, the New Jerusalem, was pure gold. So pure, it was like transparent glass. So, guys, it's not if but when the fire will come to test us. Paul said it's going to come. Let me read it to you in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 13, and we'll close with this scripture. He said, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another builds thereon. Let every man take heed how he builds thereon. In verse 11 in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want to focus on. Verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. See, the same fire that consumes wood, hay, and stubble purifies gold, silver, precious stones. You see, if we try to build our lives, our ministries, our family, our businesses with bricks of our own making, the strength of our own personality, you know, worldly programs and technologies and doing the metrics and, and, and paying for slick marketing, you know, it seems in this hour, it's almost like guys show up and like, hey, man, I got a little bit of money set aside and I got a great gift, you know, here, let me do something great for God. And they try to accomplish everything with their charisma, their gifting, and the fact that they have money to work the metrics, especially with social media. I was going to say something. I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say we need to be pure. We need to, to let God build the house. Don't try to build a ministry with personality, worldly systems and programs and technologies or sometimes not even that sometimes people go the other way and it's through fear 
manipulation, domination, control, uh, controlling people. Guys, because whatever you build using these flesh and blood methods, everything you build will be lost. Not because the devil is fighting you. They'll be lost because the fire will burn. Amen. So that begins with making sure our foundation that we build everything on is our dependence upon him. Total dependence. Everything I am, everything I say, everything I do is because of him. When I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is turn my heart towards Abba Father. And I say, Father, all that I have, all that I am, belongs to you. Whatever I do today, I want to do under the unction and the power of your spirit, the direction of your word. Amen. That's what it means when Jesus said to build your house deep and upon a solid rock. Amen. It's when we seek the Lord and we seek his heart. We daily seek to honor the heart of the Father. The more we seek him in that manner, I'll be honest with you, the more you seek the Father's heart, the more you may feel like you're decreasing. That you're going down and not up. <laughs> you're losing, you're not gaining. But God's answer is just dig deeper. Dig until you get to that foundation of total dependence upon him. I can tell you, Probably for the past five years of my life, I have largely felt shelved. I have largely felt like I was put aside, forgotten, overlooked. But that's all beautiful and precious because it's teaching me just to fall in love with Jesus more. To be satisfied simply with him. Not with him and a powerful ministry. Him and great meetings. Him and a powerful, you know, People recognizing me and speaking well, good things about me and seeking after me. But seeking him, seeking simply to be a true son. Because in Matthew 3, Jesus said that the axe will be laid upon the root of the trees. And every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit will be taken down. I want to bring forth good fruit that brings honor and glory to my father, not glory to me, not building my brand, building my ministry powerful, becoming seen, known, heard, you know, likes and, and social media success, but simply bringing him glory and bringing fruit forth that honors him. Well, guys, I've gone a little too long. I've been trying to keep my talks to about 15, 20 minutes. I'm at the 26-minute mark, so I'm going to wrap it up and go back and see who's come on here. Hey, John and Don, I hope you're still on. I'm sorry I didn't see your, your um, post there. But, again, we welcome everyone that's come on today, Lorraine and Latricia and, and, and Max and, 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 and Bishop Patrick, Michael Harvey, Adrian Salas. We got a few uh, Facebook users. I don't know who you are. Lorraine, John and Don Jones. God bless you. Thank you so very, very, very much for um, joining us today. We love you. Thank you for your prayers. 
you know, when you reach out to us and let us know you love us and you're praying for us, that means a lot. We're just here, you know, holding the line, trying to dig something out for the kingdom right here in Southern California. There are times I don't feel like I'm even making the slightest impact, but it's all right. Because as long as I can just be in love with Jesus every day and share Jesus with everyone I come to, then I'm happy. And I love being able to have this time that I can share my heart when I hear the Holy Spirit saying during this Spirit-led broadcast time on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Thanks for joining us. Hope to see you again next week. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day.